Amen. Well, how y'all doing this morning? Amen. If you got your Bible, I want to ask you to do something that we've been doing. I don't know about y'all. How many of you is thankful for your Bible? And I don't know about you, but I don't know how many times my day would have went totally different had I not had this. Many of the time I woke up and I was thinking something the way I thought it was, and I got in this book and it showed me that it wasn't the way that I thought it was. And unfortunately, many times I thought something was the way I thought it was, and then it showed me the opposite. But you know what? If you're honest, this word is truly a lamp before our feet. It's the light that makes our path to where we can go the way God wants us to go. You will never follow Jesus without a Bible that you personally allow to guide, direct, equip, teach, train, and do whatever God wants to do in your life with. And I don't know about y'all, there's countries don't have them. We do have them, and we ought to thank God for that. So I'm going to ask you to hold up with me. Father, thank you, oh God, for the Bible. Thank you that I have one in my hand, that it contains the complete and full word of God. The earth will end and flesh of mankind will pass away, but the word shall never pass away. Help the preacher today to preach the word. Help your church to hear it and understand it. And Lord, we promise to obey and keep your word. So sanctify us with thy truth. Thy word is truth. Father, as we open the word today, I pray that, Lord, anybody here today that's not saved would hear and understand what it means to be forgiven and given eternal life through Jesus. As we preach Jesus, help us to see him high and lifted up for who he is. And as we look at the instruction of your word, will you guide, direct our lives so that we may follow you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'll ask you to turn with me to the book of Proverbs, the book of Proverbs chapter 10. If anyone ever has read Proverbs, you know that it is the wisdom book. And a proverb is just a truth that helps us to know how to live life in the way that we can get the full meaning and the full purpose for our life. It's an awesome book. You can read it and just tons of little things will come out into you. But today, I want to look at something that God showed me in the book of Proverbs. We're going to read the first verse that we're going to read is going to be. Out of verse chapter 10, that's where we're going to primarily just be. I don't have a verse. And I know I messed up last week and had y'all looking all over at one. But this week, I just put chapter 10. And I don't know what verses all we'll look at, but we're going to look at them. But we're going to read, if you look with me all, the blessing of work, the fruit of our labor. How many of you is glad you got a job? You might not like your job. You might wish you had a different job. But if you lost your job, I bet you would miss it real quick. And how many of you are thankful for the ability to work and to, to do things that helps you to support and accomplish what you need out of life? Well, God's work can come straight from God. It is ordained of God. It is a blessing from God. And a lot of people today have forgotten that to be full, to be complete, to be purposeful, to have fulfillment and satisfaction in your life, you need something to do. And we don't just make and do a job to make money. We, we, we work to accomplish what God put us here to do. And if you read with me here, I want you to see a verse. It's from verse 16. The labor of the righteous leads to life, 
But the wages of the wicked leads to sin. It's not enough just to work, but it's how you work, why you work. What are you working for? Because you can work your whole life and work for the wrong thing. And you can have a lot to show for it, but in the end, it won't amount to nothing if you're not doing it for what you're supposed to be doing it. And you know, as we look right here, contrary to what people think today, work. You ever thought about work? If you really think, how many of you, be honest, you don't really like work? Hard work. You know, when I think of work, if you look up that word, it's got words that go with it. Labor, toil, exertion, effort. And the sweat of one's brow, the Bible says, that's how we're supposed to make it because of the curse. But I want you to think about this. Contrary to what a lot of you think in here this morning, work is not a dirty four-letter word. <laughs> but that's how a lot of people treat it today. Work, are you crazy? There's people that shun work like the plague. But friends, I want you to think about this with me this morning. The Bible teaches the value and the importance of work. Work didn't just come with the industrial age. If you think about it, according to the Bible, there's something noble, something good, something that is proper about work. If you look in the Bible and you read about the lazy man, you'll see real quick that God curses the lazy man, but he blesses the diligent, hardworking man. If you was to do a Bible study on lazy, it'll make you make sure you're not lazy. <laughs> And the wicked are usually the ones that want everything for nothing and they want the things that we don't understand what's valuable. It says, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? But you know what it says after that verse? Many of us never ever pay attention to that. But it says that, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man will come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he will reward each according to his works. You see, you're not going to leave your works because you're saved when you go to heaven. Your works is not what saves you. Your works is not what makes you ready to go to heaven, but you are saved for works, and your works will go with you to heaven, and you will be able to stand before Jesus. You see, not everyone's going to hear good and faithful servant. Being a faithful and good servant means you work for Jesus. Amen? And so just because you're saved and you believed in him and you received his salvation by grace, what have you done for him since you got what he done for you? When Jesus said it is finished, he did everything needed to be done. He died for us on the cross. And now he wants us to work for him. And I want to talk to us a little while out of some verses, but primarily out of Proverbs about the blessing of work. The fruitful labor of work is always profitable, my friend. If there's never been a day of labor that you didn't get something out of it that you wouldn't have got if you'd have just sat. And God speaks about work in the Bible a lot. And if you look with me right here, you start in chapter 10. He's talking about Solomon and he says the Proverbs of Solomon. That's the wise sayings, the wise teachings, the, the things that we need to know how to live our life by. And he says a wise son makes a glad father. But a foolish son is the grief of his mother. He's literally saying a wise son makes his parents glad and a foolish son or daughter makes his mama 
sad. And so he's teaching us how to be the wise son that makes God glad and makes your parents glad. And listen to what he says in verse 2. Treasures of wickedness profit nothing. You know, you can spend your whole life like that man seeking all the things of the world and you can get all the treasures that the world has to offer and when you die, it will profit you nothing. And there's a lot of people wasting their life and using their life to work for things that in the end won't be important at all. And friends, he's saying right there, the treasures of wickedness profit nothing, but righteousness delivers from death. And then look at what he says. The Lord will not allow the righteous soul to famish, but he cast away the desire of the wicked. I don't know about you, but if you do a study and you watch people, there's a lot of people that are desiring all the things of the world and all the things of the flesh, and they're trying to gratify the flesh and satisfy the flesh and fulfill the flesh, and they're after all the treasures of the world. And many times you can work and get that. And you can have all those things. But in the end, not be really happy, not really, really fulfilled and satisfied. See, the righteous, those who have the wisdom that comes from God that uses their life and works for the things that are important and strives to have the things that matter. I want you to see something. You're never going to have what you desire if you don't realize it's not just going to be given to you. <laughs> you see... The lazy man desires, but he doesn't have. Let me show you something that he says about lazy just one chapter over. Look at what he says in chapter 14. Look at verse 23. He says, in all labor there is profit. That's what I'm wanting to show us today. But idle chatter leads only to poverty. There's a lot of people sitting around talking about what they want and how they want to get it. And they're, they're, they're looking. But he says, in all labor, there's profit. Flip back with me to chapter 13 as we go back. Look at what he says about the lazy man in verse 4. Chapter 13. The soul of a lazy man desires and has nothing. He desires what everybody else wants. He sits around and idly talks about it, but he never labors for it. Look at what he says, though. But the soul of the diligent... The diligent shall be made rest, rich. Friends, if you're waiting on the lottery, you're waiting on something that probably ain't going to happen. If you're waiting on an inheritance, the easy come, easy go. But it's been my experience that the people who earn it themselves, that work for it themselves, get the most out of it, use it the most wisely, and it comes from God and you working to hard labor. Listen to this. Look, go back at verse 10 where we look. He said, the diligent, the diligent, will be made rich, but the lazy man desires and has nothing. Now listen what he says when you get here to verse 4. I want to call this being industrious. You see, to be diligent is to be industrious. We're to be diligent to work. Look at what he says in verse 4. He who has a slack hand becomes poor. But the hand of the diligent, that's the hand of the industrious, the one who, who, who works and labors, makes rich. Friends, have you looked around today? Have you watched? Have you studied? Those who are consistently diligent to do about work and to, to do things, have things. And those that are idly talking about it and desiring it, but not doing anything to try to get it, at the end have nothing. I don't know about y'all, but I like to study people. Diane tells me, anytime we're in a crowd, you're looking at everybody. I'm checking them out. I'm a purple watcher. 
And I've been to a lot of houses and I've visited with a lot of families and I've sat in them and I listen and I, I love to see the houses where when you get in them, it's obvious that God has been blessing. God is well. Man, whenever you're at a house and you can look at it and it's, it's just got the life, the life is in it of God and the life of prosperous and the life of being blessed. You can see it and it's just joy in the house and there's fulfillment and contentment in the house and you can look at how God's favor has been over that house and you can see and you get to listen and they said yeah we bought this house I was just with one just the other day they've been there 38 years and I was visiting them with them and man this little lady and this little man was sitting there and they were telling me their story and he told me that you know where all he worked and who he knew and how we had come in contact and you know he he's retired well and he's doing good and not everybody listen I'm telling you just because you work has this but everybody that I've noticed that has this at the end of their life they've accomplished something they have something to show for it. they've all had something every one of them has it it's a common denominator and it's not always just Jesus but Jesus is the main foundation but does anyone know what it is would you care to guess a job they had a job not just a place of employment, a job that they excelled at. A job where they went there, they gave the man an honest day's work. They went there not expecting to get what mom and daddy had that took them 30 years ago. They didn't run up the credit card and get in stupid and crazy, unbelievable debt to get it. They worked and they went to that job and they gave their best and they were an honest hard worker and somebody recognized it. And they moved up, and then they got to be to where they're at, and God blessed them. Does anybody have that testimony? Does anybody believe that's what's wrong with America? You see, my friends, we are supposed to work. Work comes from God. I don't know if you've ever studied your Bible about work, but I'm crazy enough I did it. And friends, you know where work started? The first work you'll ever see in the Bible was done by none other than God himself. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 2 that God worked for six days. And at the end, when God had completed the work he had done and he rested on the seventh day. You know the second time you see work in the Bible? Adam. You don't see work after the fall, after sin. You see work in the Bible in paradise when everything was exactly the way God wanted it. You see, in the Garden of Eden, Adam worked. Work was not a penalty for sin before sin invaded the creation and corrupted. Adam was placed in the garden, according to the Bible, to tend and keep it for God. See, working is part of God's plan. Working is what makes us blessed. When you look in the Old Testament, one of my favorite passages of pastor is after they were coming back from the captivity and Nehemiah, a man of God, got a burden on his heart to go and help them to rebuild the city because they had been there for 18 years and all they had was the foundation of the temple. No one was working. No one was doing anything. God gave him a vision. God gave him a burden. He went back. He went, he rode around the city. He come back and he told him, God has given me this. God has provided this. I come with letters of authority and provision from King of Turgises. He's going to pay for it. He's going to give us the stuff to do, but we got to do the work. And you know what the Bible says? 
in 50-something days, 57, I think. But this is what it says in Nehemiah 6. So we built a wall, and the entire wall was joined together up to half its height, for the people had a mind to work. They could have sat there and talked about it, prayed about it, hoped for it, till Jesus came back and that wall still wouldn't be built. You know, not only did they work in the past, but work is expected for us in the future if we're saved. The Bible says that we're not saved by works, but we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, prepared beforehand by God that we should obey and walk in them. God saved us. We are his workmanship, created us good works to walk in. Listen to what Titus says in Titus chapter um, 3 verse 1. Remind them to be subject to rulers and authorities to obey and be ready for every good work. This is a faithful saying, and these things I want you to affirm constantly, that those who have believed in God should be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable to men. You see, God expects us to work. Work brings blessings. The fruit of our labor always profits. And friends, as you look right here, look at what he goes on and says, He says, he who gathers in the summer is a wise son. He who sleeps in the harvest is a son who causes shame. Friends, we're living right now. The day is today to work. The day is today to build. The day is today to gather. The day is today to help do what we can. There may come a day where we can't work. He said, he who gathers in the summer blesses his father. He who doesn't brings shame. And look at what he says in verse 6. Blessings are on the head of the righteous, but violence covers the mouth of the wicked. The memory of the righteous is blessed, but the name of the wicked shall rot. Friends, listen, if you want to be blessed and become prosperous, you're going to have to be diligently industrious and be willing to do your share. Very few people make it and are rich and have abundant blessings just by chance it's because they purposely took the life they've been given and used it for the glory of God I want you to see when you get to verse 22 look at what he says the blessings of the Lord makes one rich yes that's true and he adds no sorrow with it the blessings of the Lord does make one rich but look down at verse 16 it's the labor of the righteous that leads to life the wages of the wicked lead to sin Friends, when you are righteous, when you are wise, you're going to be the one who doesn't have a slack hand. He becomes poor. You're going to be the hand of the diligent that makes rich. God's going to see that. The labor of your righteousness is going to bless you with a life that God blesses, that God's pouring into. And he says right there that the blessing of the Lord makes one rich, and he adds no sorrow to it. You know what? When the blessings that you have the riches that you have, the things that you possess come from God, they don't make you sorry. They don't bring you grief. They bring you joy. They bring you a heart that is not controlled by them, but is as blessed in realizing by who gave it to you. You know, it is true. You can get rich by being stingy and being selfish and being self-motivated and being all about winning those riches. But when you work like that out of a motivation by that, when you get those riches, by the time you get them, those riches have you. And there's a lot of people today that I look at that have so much, 
but they don't get to understand where it came from and why they got it and what your purpose is for having it in the first place. And they are controlled by it. They're, they're just thinking about it all the time more than God. Friends, when you serve God and you do what God wants you to do and you let God bless you with what he wants to bless you with and it comes through you doing the best you can, friends, listen, I'm telling you, God blesses you. You know what happens with, with the riches that we get from God? Do you believe they're for us? All for us? Yeah, they bless us. But friends, what I've learned is God makes a man prosperous. God gives us the things that he gives us for a reason. And if they're all for you and to do what you want with and to make life what you want life to be, they will bring you sorrow in the end. If you don't believe me, look at all these rich people, these famous people, these multimillionaire people that don't have the Lord, that live not for the Lord but for themselves. They have all fame has the archer. They have the adoration and the praise of men. They're put on on stages and they're idolized and they're movie stars they got everything you think you'd want men look to them and all men most men foolish men think i wish i could be them not me because they got all that that can bring they're rich they're millionaires billionaires they got anything money can buy they got everything the world has to offer and they are miserable they aren't rich they aren't they have no purpose they go through marriages one one after the other. They can't find anybody that can bring them help because no one can make you happy but God. Nothing can make you happy but God. And they got everything that they work for. That's the man who's worked his whole life. He's got everything the world has to give. But what does it profit him if he doesn't have his soul at peace? If he doesn't have a life that God has blessed, that God has given purpose to? At the end of the day... What does bring fulfillment? What does bring purpose? According to Solomon, to serve the Lord, to live for God. And friends, if you are prosperous and God gave it to you, you know what will happen? You won't be motivated to get more and more stuff. You won't be motivated to have more money. You won't trust in that. Listen what he warns about in the Bible. Paul told Christians through 1 Timothy to guard yourself from riches. To guard yourself from a desire to have riches. Listen to what he says. He says, For those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and harmful lusts, which in the end drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness, and they've pierced themselves through with many sorrows. How many of you seen that? It's everywhere. And it says, but you, O man of God, flee these things, and you pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, gentleness, fight the good fight of faith. Friends, you don't have to be a millionaire to fight the good fight. You don't have to be wealthy and all, but you can be rich with what God provides you by what you work for when you do that. Listen what he says. Command those who are rich in this present age not to be proud nor to trust in the uncertain things of riches, but to trust in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Let them do good that they may be rich in good works, ready to give 
willing to share, storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come that they may lay hold of and be ready for eternity. Have you figured out yet that the greatest things aren't here? The greatest treasures are what you put in heaven. That's what he's saying. He's saying, storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come that they may lay hold of eternal life. And friends, listen. If all we do with our things and our riches and all we work for is what we can have here, I hate to tell you, but one day they're going to come and pick you up and they're going to haul you to a place called a morgue or a... Or a no, I ain't what I'm thinking. The funeral home. And they're not going to bring your stuff with you. They're going to lay you in a box and when they put you in that box or they're going to cremate you and put you in a, bo- in a bowl... And when they do that to you, you're no different than anybody else as far as here. But boy, where your soul went and the kind of life you lived and what you did with it makes a big difference in where you are. And I want you to think about this. A person who gets his riches honestly from working and from trusting God, they wasn't given to him. He didn't get them easily. He had to work for them. He respects them. It won't make him greedy. It'll make him generous. I've watched it. I've seen it. Look at what he says right there. Look at verse 24 of chapter 11. And we're going to close pretty quick. In verse 24, you've seen that God expects us to be industrious, to be diligent, to work. And he'll prosper our work. And he'll give us fruit for the labor. That God blesses the righteous The righteous the Lord makes rich. And look at when he makes you rich. Look at what it says. There is one who scatters, yet it increases more. He's giving it away. He's scattering what God gave him. And there is one who withholds more than is right, but it leads to poverty. Have you ever seen it? He tries to hang on to it. He doesn't want to share it. He doesn't want to use it. Look, look at what he says. He says, the generous soul will be made rich. And he who waters will also be watered himself. The people will curse him who withholds the grain, but blessings will be on the head of him who will sell it. I believe blessing would even be more on the person who will give it. Have you ever figured out yet that you can't outgive God? That if God gave you what you got and you give what he tells you to give to wherever he tells you to give it, don't you think he can give you a little more? He said it's kind of like this. As we give, God gives back and he pours it into us till it overflows and it pours out. And friends, that's what he wants you to do. When we're all focused on things and money and purpose and what we got instead of him and doing what he wants. And guys, listen, he does expect us to work. He does expect us to be diligent and, and work. He expects us to let him bless us, but he expects us to give. And friends, the greatest thing you'll ever give to Jesus is to be a soul winner. Out of all the things you can give to God, I want you to look at this verse. Soul winning is work. Good intentions, hoping, wishing, talking about it, none of that will accomplish a church to be able to win souls. Soul winning doesn't come by accident. 
Soul winning comes by diligently being industrious and purposely and intentional using your life to do the things it takes for a church to accomplish its chief purpose of existence. To win souls. you got to be wise. Yeah, it takes money. Yeah, it takes things that the Lord gives us through our diligent work and he prospers us. And yes, we got to be generous to give it back to the one who gave us. But the greatest thing you'll ever give to God is to give away what God gave to you, the story that his son came and died on our old rugged cross. And he paid a price none of us could ever pay so that we could be saved and forgiven. And we sit in the churches our entire life and no one ever ever tells anybody. No one ever goes and shares it with anybody. Everyone just comes and we all say, I wish someone would get saved. I'm praying for someone to get saved. But you do nothing more than that. And then you wonder why people don't get saved. Paul says to the Thessalonian church, if any not work, let him not eat. (laughs) Well, if we're not going to work in the harvest, do you think we're going to get to have a harvest? If we're not going to labor in the fields, are we going to get to have a labor? Friends, listen, just like you show me a man that doesn't work, that's not willing to work, and I'll show you a man that's doing without nine out of ten times. You show me a family that's full of people that want everything given to them, and they're sitting around talking, waiting, desiring, but they ain't doing nothing to get it, and there'll be a family that's doing without. Friends, you look at our country today. Our country is doing without. Our communities and our cities are doing without. Everybody's doing without because nobody wants to work anymore. And friends, it's not only out there in our society and in our secular world and in our culture that more people in America today choose not to work and live off the benefits of those who do work than work. It's not only out there that slipped within the church. And a church that's not working is going to be a church that is limited in its prosperity and its blessing and the things that God wants it to do. I want you to think about this. The fruit of the righteousness is a tree of life. We possess us, those that are saved, those of us who know God, those of us who've experienced God's goodness, all the things that makes life worth living. We're like a tree, and our tree has all the things that everybody needs to experience life and it says in that verse and he who wins souls is wise one translation says he who saves life is wise friends we're to be about others and helping people do you realize that if someone gets saved it's going to take others more than just a few a church where everyone's working a church where people have things that they are giving others bringing others we had all those tracks back there we've got more push cards more invite cards we've got flyers. We've got all the things that you can use to help bring people to a place where they can get saved. You've got the ability within you to give. And friends, listen, when you are doing your part and bringing people here, people would get saved, but they're not going to come here if we're not trying, if we're not working. Now, this is only my observation, but I'm so blessed. I have two churches. I'm not only a member of this church and get to be the pastor of this church, but I'm a member of Open Range Fellowship, been for a long time. And when I go there, I'm treated like a member. I'm treated. 
Pastor Marvin, how you doing? Good to see you. We love you. I get hugs. I get welcomes. I get asked for ministerial advice. I went there just to, to, to be greedy and to go get my battery charged. But Dennis began to recognize, and he, he lets me preach. And I've preached there so much now, I'm almost like an associate pastor to some. Every Wednesday, I get asked things, and I get used by God when I go there. But this is what I see there. Every Thursday, I'm telling you, I can count on one hand the Thursdays that I've ever went to that church and this didn't happen. And I can tell you that it's never happened to me one time here in seven years almost. Every Thursday, it never fails, Jonathan. Somebody comes up to me and Diane, hey, Pastor Marvin, this is my friend. This is so-and-so. We've been trying to get her to come and she came today. I'm inviting her. I'm showing her. This is Pastor Marvin. He preaches around here sometimes. He, 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 he's he's pa pastors down at Bethany Baptist Church. This is my friend. This is her first time here today. We just wanted you to meet her every Thursday. This Thursday, a lady came, and I'm bad with names. Her name was Lynn, the lady that came and sat in front of us. But you know what she told me? She, they introduced us. She said, you pastor at Bethany Baptist Church. I'm going to find out their name because she says, me and Miss Patty, I know Bart and Patty Wood. They go there. Me and Miss Patty are best friends. We know each other. And I learned all that. Now, I'm terrible about names, but boy, I tell you what, I just talked to them. And I'll be praying, Lord, help me find out their name. But I'm going to tell you what, that happens every Thursday. You know why that happens? Because they're bringing people to their church. Why would they bring people to the church? Apparently, they love their church. They're proud of their church. They think their church has the answers to meet the needs of life. And if we believed that, you'd be bringing your backslidden one breath away from hell neighbor. If we believed that, you'd be getting somebody here that is lost and undone. You'd be getting tracks. You'd be getting invite cards. You'd be inviting them. But I have a hard time believing we really believe that when in seven years, no one's ever been invested. I'm the preacher. Brother Marvin, I got so-and-so here today. I've been bringing them. Now, I'm not saying that people haven't brought people in a time or two, but this happens on a regular basis. And that church gets people saved. This, this, um, Thursday, Dennis had me on standby again. He called me that morning. You got a word? I ain't got nothing. Lord ain't give me nothing. I went by there. He says, hey, I, 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 be ready. I think you, I'm going to need you to preach. I said, now, am I going to preach or not? Oh, you be ready. I called him at about three. I got a word. I went home, studied. I worked. I did everything. I'm not like them. I can, Dennis, he's amazing. He just prays, gets in the word. He's got some ideas. God gives it to him. He gets up there and I'm, he can preach. Me, I'm dumb. I got to be prepared. I got to work. I, I went home. I got in the word. I did all the work. I did everything. I told God, I'm going to preach tonight. I can feel it in my bones. I'm going to feel it in my bones. I'm going to preach tonight. I was all worked up, ready to go. I called him. I said, do you want me to go get that mic? For I'll have the mic. Uh, that's up to you, but, but you might ought to get it. Came over here, got this mic, put it on. I go in his office. I said, I got that mic because I can't wear his kind, and he don't want me to wear the lapel, but I'm telling you this for a reason. Listen. He said, well, just put it on just in case. I put it on. I'm like, I'm telling you, I got a word. I know, but I, I think God's giving me one. He said, we'll just wait and see what happens. So I said, look, I'm not sitting up there if I ain't go to preach. I'm going to go sit with Diane. He said, go ahead, but put your mic on. So I'm wearing this out in the 
thing. Guess what everybody's telling me? You preaching tonight? Are you preaching tonight? No, I'm just on standby. Well, you got your mic on your head. Yeah, Brother Dennis told me to do that. You know why I've done that? Because Dennis told me to do it, and he's the pastor. But more than that, I'm going to be ready to do whatever God has me to do. And I was ready, and while he was singing and we were praying, I was not like a regular Thursday. You know what I was doing? I was doing like I was this morning. I was preparing. I was getting ready to do what God put me on this planet to do, preach the word of God, help people to hear about Jesus. I have a sermon that I went home and spent all afternoon to get ready to preach. And then all of a sudden, I knew about on the third song, I seen Dennis, I'm watching him. I don't know him. He's in the word. He's looking. He shut that Bible and he had it in his hand. And when he got up, he wasn't even to the thing yet. I said, I ain't preaching tonight. <laughs> you know, at first I said, Lord, why does he do me this? I did all that work. I got all that preparation. I diligently did what it took to be ready to work and preach. And you know what God showed me the next morning? You're still going to get the same blessing for the work of getting ready, the work of being able, the work of being willing, and the work as if you would have preached because you did what I told you to do. It's not based on whether or not you got to preach or not. It was that you listened and you did what you were supposed to do. You know the same thing with telling people about Jesus. I'm not going to get blessed because everybody I tell gets saved. I'm going to get blessed because we tell people. And if you ain't telling people, they ain't going to get saved. If you're not working the harvest, if you're not in the, the, the labors and sowing the seed, no one will get saved. How many people do you think me and Jonathan and Sam can effectively get here on a Sunday compared to all of y'all working together to invite, to go kidnap, to bribe? You say, how do you bribe someone to come to church? We'll bring you to wherever your fanciest favorite restaurant is. Come to church. We're coming to get you. If we made the effort today and we had this thing filled with lost people, lost people would get saved. And this church would see God's prospering in the fruit of our labors. I'm just going to say this and we're going to pray. It's not 12 yet, according to that clock. Jesus said to this, he says, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. The problem ain't with God and the problem ain't with lost people. There's many lost people, if they heard the truth, if the, the laborers went out into the fields and did the work, Jesus said the fields are ripe for harvest. The problem is not that sinners aren't willing to come to Jesus and sinners won't get saved. It's the fact that no one is in the harvest. And my question is, are you? Do you tell people about Jesus? Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to save people. That's all we pray. Save someone, Lord. Save people, Jesus. Save them, Lord. But that ain't what Jesus said to pray. Jesus said pray that God sends out laborers into the harvest. And if we had more laborers in the harvest, more people would get saved. You know, I'm just here to tell you, that everything, even people getting saved, if you think about it, is dependent upon work. The blessing of work, the fruit of our labor, the more we invite, the more we work, the more we do, the more people we get saved. The less we work, the more we just wait on the preacher to do it or Brother Jonathan to do it or the person sitting next to me to do it. Today, I'm going to ask you this.
when Isaiah seen Jesus high and lifted up, and the Lord said, who will go for me? At first, Isaiah said, oh, woe is me, for I'm a man undone. I got unclean lips. And I live amongst the people of unclean lips. Woe is me, for I'm undone. He said, I'm fixing to die. But God sent an angel with a coal and a picture of our redemption and touched his lips and took away his sin. Supposedly, we're all saved. We're all washed in the blood. We're all saved and forgiven. He forgave him. And then when he seen God, he heard something he'd never heard from God before. When you're right with God, you will hear this. Who will go for me? If you've never heard that, it's because you ain't able to go. You're not willing to go, and he's just leaving you alone. A person who never hears God say go is not right with God. Because the more you get right with God, the more he sends you. And he sent him, and he said, here I am. Send me. This morning, have you heard from God? He wants to send you. He wants to use you. He wants us to all work together to see people saved for his glory. Today, I'm just selling you. A church that don't work will be a church, and I'm not talking about working to get saved, working to win favor. I'm talking about working to do the work of ministry, working to accomplish the purposes of the church. The greatest purpose is to sow. When the greatest thing we'll ever do for God, the greatest boss you'll ever had is Jesus, and the greatest work you'll ever do is go and share his gospel and tell people about him and what he's done. And that's the thing we do the least in the church. You know, Dennis, when he got up to preach at first, I'm going to be honest, I'm a man, I'm carnal. I'm like, dang, he done done it again. I spent all evening studying, and now I'm not even going to get to preach. But you know, when he gave the invitation, and he said, if anybody here needs to be saved, would you raise your hand? And I'm sitting there praying, Lord, please let somebody be saved. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. I see you. God bless. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Hold it high. It's your time. This is your moment. Yes, brother. Yes, yes. Four people raises their hands. Anybody else raising your hand to get saved? Then he goes through it. My prayers won't save you. I'm not able to do anything. But if you believe what we've preached to you and you believe Jesus died for your sins and you'll admit you're a sinner, we're going to give you this opportunity to say this prayer. This prayer has no power but faith in what Jesus did and by asking will save you. And he says it and he says the prayer and people get saved. You say, how often does that happen, Brother Marvin? Almost every Thursday. Almost every Thursday. Very seldom it doesn't. Am I telling the truth, guys, that go there? That can happen at any church who works for the Lord. There's this one lady that has brought four Catholic ladies from the Catholic church to that church, and they got saved and are there now every Thursday. She was here at our revival. She brought people to our revival because she understands the joy of work. If you ever lead somebody to the Lord, it'll be more exciting, just exciting as when you got brought to the Lord. We're missing the joy of being a laborer in the harvest. Now, those of you who are saved, I'm not here to guilt you. I'm just here to help you out. Jesus said the laborers are few, but the harvest is plentiful. But there's somebody here today, I bet, that's never been saved. And I'm just going to tell you today that by the grace of God, you're here. It's not an accident. I'm not here to ask you to become part of this church. I'm not here to ask you to make a religious commitment. 
I'm not asking you here to just walk an aisle to try to relieve your conscience. I'm asking you to give your life to Jesus this day, this moment. Not another, oh, this or that. I'm telling you this. Confess I'm a sinner. Confess I know I'm separated from God. I need forgiveness. Then believe this. Jesus came. He was God's plan for salvation. He is the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. And I believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God, the Savior. And I'm going to put my trust in him. And Lord, I'm going to now not only trust you, I'm going to act on that. I'm going to ask you. I'm going to ask you what I believe in my heart. I believe you died, you were buried, and you rose again. And you said, if I believe that, I will be saved. That by my heart, that is what makes me righteous. We believe unto righteousness. And now I'm going to confess with my mouth. And I'm going to ask you, Lord, to save me. And the Bible says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. You say, I don't know how to do that, preacher. A bad presentation is better than no presentation. You can't mess it up too bad that God can't get somebody saved if you just tell them those basic things. And right now, there might be somebody here. It's your first time. You want to be saved. I'm going to ask you. We're going to be singing. There's going to be people I would hope come to the altar and say, Lord, I want to be a soul winner. I want to be in the harvest. Forgive me for not working and serving in the most important endeavor on the face of the planet. I got a lost child. I got a lost neighbor. I got an unworker, undone worker that works with me at church. I go, to, I go to school and I got somebody that's lost and going to hell. Lord, will you help me to help them? I'm the tree of life. I've been made righteous. Lord, help me to be wise and win souls. Help me to be what you put me here to do. And friends, more than work, more than make a living, more than get things and have a blessed life, he put you here to be a tree of life to the lost. To be a person who can win souls and share the good news of what God's done for you. If you won the lottery, you wouldn't tell none of us because you'd be ashamed. But if you got a million dollars, you tell everybody today when you got here that I got a million dollars. If you got, gave a brand new bass boat, man, every one of you would be having it hooked to your truck showing it to us today. But you got salvation. You got forgiveness. You got eternal life. We walk around with the greatest treasure in all of existence, and we don't tell it to anybody. Tell somebody. Go and watch God bless your labor and use it. I'm going to pray, and if you need to come, you come. Would you stand with me? Father in heaven, I just pray. We got a car show coming up, Lord, that we're going to need laborers. We're going to need people that are not coming to put on a car show, but people who are coming to represent you to be a tree of life that allows what you have blessed us with to come out of us, to come from us, the fruit of our life, to be made able and ready to be given to the others who need it. And Lord, I thank you for this church. I thank you for the privilege to pastor it. And Lord, I'm here thanking each and every person for what they do and what they give. But Lord, we can give money. We can come every Sunday. We can do things here and fix meals. But Lord... If we don't give away the gospel, if we don't become soul winners, if we're not about able to help people come to the saving knowledge of Jesus, it's all for naught. Lord, I pray that you'll bless us with a car show that is an unbelievable day. But more than anything, I pray that people will come and hear and be touched by the love and the presence of Jesus. That someone will be saved 
that someone's life will be touched, that an unchurched person will be brought into the fellowship and want to come to church the next day because they seen the true church and they were able to see what salvation does. Help us to love people, to love you. Help us to minister to people, to meet needs, to, to do like you do, Lord, to help and bless the ones who need it. And then to help us just to sit back and watch you work through our work. Lord, right now there's somebody who needs to be saved. I pray you'd give them strength to do it and come and publicly express their faith to you. And Lord, for each of us who is saved, Lord, we thank you.